God, we thank You so much for Your goodness and Your kindness to us. We thank You that we are Your children here in this place, and we get to celebrate that in all of its fullness right now, God. And so we just want to say thank You for this very moment. Amen. I encourage you to take your seat because it is a very special night tonight because we have Steph here with us. Um, and Steph is about to be baptised, but would you welcome Steph here? That'd be really great. So good. Um, and you can hear from some cheers that Steph has quite a cheer squad with her as well. Some people, family, friends, visitors as well. So um, can you give us a wave? We can't see you too well, but if you're here, especially tonight for Steph, can you give us a big wave? That'd be great. And can you welcome all these people as well? So good. Well, Steph, we are very keen to hear your story, so it'll be great, thanks. Uh, hi everyone, I'm Stephanie, and tonight I'd love to share with you my testimony. Um, I'd like to start by saying how grateful I am for my godly heritage. From my little grandma, my grandma and papa, mum and dad, aunties and uncles, some of who are here tonight. I know that I've been able to walk with the kingdom favour and authority because they have interceded on my behalf even before I was born. I can truly testify to the power of a praying family. Without them modelling faith in action and their covering of prayer and love, I am certain this would be an entirely different story. For many years, I was hesitant about being baptised. I thought that I needed to know more people at church and have it all together. But truthfully, these feelings were rooted in this fear of not being good enough. But over time, God gently reminded me that I didn't earn His salvation um, or His grace. I didn't need to prove myself to Him. I simply needed to be obedient and trust Him. And being baptised is the next step. So here I am. Uh, from a young age, God drew me lovingly to Himself. It's hard for me to pinpoint one moment where my life radically transformed. My testimony is one of God's steadfast faithfulness throughout the journey that is my life so far. As a young girl, I loved reading the Bible and singing Rainbows by Hillsong Kids at the top of my lungs. By being, the, being by far the tallest in the class, the highest honour was given to me for a six-year-old um, as I got to hold the rainbow while singing this song at a school assembly. <laughs> Um, I have early memories of crying out to God, being worried about the second coming, worried that I'd be left behind. Um, and some of you may even remember the Left Behind book series. Um, reading that as a kid definitely, um, yeah, didn't help that little thought. <laughs> um, anyway, from growing up in a church and attending a Christian school, I never fully understood what it meant to let your, shine, your light shine before others or to be in the world, but not of it, because I was always surrounded by people in the light. Uh, once I graduated from school in 2017, I spent a year studying musical theater at a dance company. In this new environment, I felt insecure and vulnerable, not because I was just struggling physically, because um, I had zero dance experience and I went to a full-on dance company, um, I know, uh, but also spiritually. At times, I allowed the dream of being a performer to be all-consuming. All my time, effort and energy was poured into what I thought was my God-given calling. In reflection, I now realise that I was focusing on my calling rather than focusing on God, who gave me my calling. I wasn't surrounding myself with many like-minded Christian friends, which led to a period where I felt very isolated and misunderstood by others. As a people pleaser, I found it difficult to not be influenced by the people around me 
um, but also particularly people in authority, such as my lecturers, as I wanted to deliver what they asked of me. And sometimes this meant going along with things that didn't necessarily align with my Christian faith. I was struggling with this uh, inner turmoil until God really convicted me that no one can serve two masters, for you will hate one and love the other. You will be devoted to one and despise the other. Who was I going to serve? Him or the world? Um, From 2019 to now, um, I study a Bachelor of Acting and Performance. From entering, um, but entering into this course wasn't the easiest transition. Even on my first day of acting school, we got into a circle to do the actor's version of Icebreakers, which is talking about your deepest fears, (laughs) all before nine o'clock in the morning. Uh, But really, the arts is a very dark place. I felt like the battle between light and dark is magnified there. As an actress, there is an expectation that you delve into the human condition. Um, As we know, though, life without God, um, the humankind is innately sinful, broken and helpless. The material that is celebrated, in acting school at least, purely focuses on that. Their stories are without redemption and hope because for them, that's all they know. And this is what was asked of me um, on a daily basis to explore but eventually become characters who represent the most broken of humanity. As a Christian, I still find this process very overwhelming and taxing both uh, physically, emotionally, and spiritually. Aside from these struggles within the acting process, my actual uni experience hasn't always been the best. Um, I have been bullied by my peers and mocked for my faith. And during the time, I couldn't quite pinpoint why it was happening, why I was being targeted. Um, But it was when the Invisible War series began, I realized there's a deeper root behind it. The teaching and wisdom in this series equipped me uh, for this season in my life. Currently, I have felt this urgency in my spirit. The spiritual battle is very real, and I feel called to equip myself by putting on the full armour of God so I can work and I guess, the mission field that is the performing arts. It breaks my heart um, because music and theatre is such a powerful medium, um, which... (laughs) Um, But Satan has such a stronghold... It just, my heart's desire um, is for God, the glory to be given to God, who is the ultimate creative. Um, Yeah. (laughs) I want to shine His truth in a place where there are so many misconceptions about Christianity. I want to be Jesus' hope where there is so much hopelessness. I want to be God's light um, for everyone around me shining His joy and love in this darkness, but I know I can't do this on my own, (laughs) in my own strength, which is why um, being baptised tonight is my declaration in both the physical and spiritual realms, um, as Pastor Nathan said um, during the Invisible War series, that I belong to Jesus. (laughs) Um, I have also just been so blessed um, being a part of this community here at Bridgie, um, and serving here has allowed me to meet just such wonderful people, um, such as Haley, who will be in the pool. Who's there? <laughs> um, and uh, yeah, thank you for, for being with me tonight. And I just want to thank um, Trish. Um, it's just been such a blessing chatting to you um, over these months. <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
Well, Haley, you do need to come and help in the pool. We were just too fast for Haley tonight, so we jumped in. She's going to join us. Um, and while she does, I just wanted to let you know, in, in this COVID season, unfortunately, we can't do our normal hugs that we normally do after um, people are baptised. But Steph is keen to catch you after the service. So if you want to congratulate her and celebrate with her, she's definitely keen to do that following the service. But it is our joy now to pray for Steph before we baptise her. So will you join with me as we do that? Oh, Father God, we thank you so much that your heart is for people, for people to come to you, to know you in all of your fullness, to know the freedom that you want for us by sending your son, Jesus. And so here we stand tonight and we thank you for Steph. We thank you for her story. We thank you for a family, generations who know you and love you, who have prayed and prayed and prayed for Steph. Many here tonight celebrating, others who'll be watching online. Some you'll see it after. Um, but many people who know you and love you. And we celebrate with them tonight your good work in Steph's life. We celebrate the freedom that she's found in you, Jesus. We celebrate the reality that she knows that she is powerless, but you have all the power. Without you, she's hopeless, but with you, she has all hope. And so we thank you for that truth. We thank you for her testimony tonight that she declares she's in you, Jesus. And so we wanna pray now for your Holy Spirit to fill her afresh that she would know your Holy Spirit's empowering in a special way. We affirm the calling on her life this very night into that field that you have called her, you've gifted her for, that she would know your power in amazing ways, God, that she would be this light in the darkness. And we thank you for your word, that the light has come because of you, Jesus, and the darkness cannot overwhelm it. And so we pray that Steph would be your light into this dark world, God, and you would do amazing and powerful things through this young woman, that she would see an incredible harvest of people coming to know you, Jesus, as she lives out this life and this calling you have given her. And so tonight we say thank you, God, as we baptise her in your name. Amen. Well, Steph, let me ask you, do you declare Jesus Christ as your Lord and Saviour? Yes, I do. And on this profession of your faith, and because you've requested it, it is Haley's and my great pleasure now to baptise you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. going to hear from God's Word in a second. Um, we're really excited. So let's prepare our hearts as um, Dave Twig comes up and let's welcome him actually as we prepare to hear God's Word. Thanks, I got this. I got this, yeah. <clears throat> Thank you, Reverend Dr. Dan. Uh, Great to uh, be sharing with you tonight, real privilege and honour. We are in a series at the moment uh, called The Signs of Life and we're going to have a look at a particular passage in John. Uh, it's a story as Jesus walks uh, on the water and the principles of the, in this are so powerful and so impacting for our lives. And what I, I'm convinced of is that what we discover in this particular passage is so relevant for every single one of us uh, in uh, this room tonight. So what I want to do is right from the outset. Let's read this passage together. Hopefully it'll come up uh, on the screen, uh, but it's in John 6, uh, 16 to 21 NLT. Here we go. So that evening, Jesus' disciples went down to the shore to wait for him. But as darkness fell and Jesus still hadn't come back, uh, they got into the boat and headed across the lake toward Capernaum. Soon a gale swept down upon them and the sea grew very rough. 
They had rowed three or four miles when suddenly they saw Jesus walking on the water toward the boat. They were terrified. But he called out to them, don't be afraid, I am here. Then they were eager to let him in the boat and immediately they arrived at their destination. Let me pray. Father, we thank you so much for your word and we thank you that your word, as it goes forth, it fulfills its purposes in our hearts. And I really pray tonight that as we hear your word, that you would impact and challenge us and change us in some way or another. Uh, We're so grateful, great God, that you're with us and that you speak to us. And I really pray tonight that uh, your words would go forth, that it'd be less of me, more of you and uh, that your word would fulfill its purposes. So thank you, great God. And uh, we commit this time to you now in Jesus' mighty name, amen. A couple of years ago, I can uh, recall this very vividly uh, because it was quite a significant time in my life. It was probably around two and a half years ago, maybe nearly three years ago. So not not last year at schoolies, uh, but the year before. And I've shared this before, but during schoolies week, they do a a Red Frog Church service that uh, people or schoolies can go along to and experience what church might be like. And so uh, as part of the service uh, a couple of years ago, I had the opportunity through that service to uh, share the gospel and uh, give an opportunity for young people to respond, uh, which is a crazy thought, but it was quite a a powerful night and quite a lot of young people that night responded uh, in that service, which was amazing. And there's something quite... there's something quite powerful when you serve uh, in the gifts that God has given you or the talents that God has given you. And when you see God use your life, there's an energy or there's a thrill, there's an excitement that comes with that. And I remember after that night, distinctly getting down off the stage and seeing just the way that, that, that God worked in the midst of this and seeing these young people responded. And I was so, I don't know, excited, so thrilled, so energized uh, about what had just taken place and seeing how God had just moved. And I remember thinking, I literally just want to meet every single one of these young people. And so after service, I just got around and I was just uh, meeting these young people that responded. And, and I was there for a little while and I was probably one of the last people to leave the auditorium that night. There was myself and a few other frog workers. And as I was about to go, I noticed that there was two girl frog workers sitting uh, with a, uh, another girl, uh, a schoolie, uh, in maybe the few rows back from the front. And as I, I sort of walked past and grabbed some of my things, a couple of our uh, red frogger girl said, oh, Twig, do you have a second? Um, one of the, they mentioned her name. They said, oh, she just has a few questions about some of the things that you spoke about tonight. And I said, for sure, I'd love to, uh, love to chat. And I said, listen, I, if you've got questions, I don't know if I can answer them all, but I'll, I'll give it a go. And so we sat there and she began to give me a little bit of context and she was giving me a bit of background about her journey. And she said, um, you know, I was really impacted by what you shared tonight. And you spoke about there being a God who uh, loves humanity, who loves me, a God who has a plan and a purpose for my life. And she said that was amazing and, and it, was, it was quite encouraging, it was quite powerful, all those sorts of things. But she said, you know, I just, I struggle with that a little bit. And she said, you know, um, I suppose I've always kind of grown up believing in a higher power. Maybe there's something more. Maybe there is a God. And she said, uh, my family, I've grown up in a really great family. I've got an older sister and my mum and dad are incredible. And, and my, my parents have always looked after us. We have a really close uh, knit family. And last year, and she began to talk a little bit more about her dad in particular and how amazing he was and how much he looked after them and how much she knew how much he, he loved her and her sister. She said that last year though, uh, my dad out of the blue was uh, diagnosed with, with, this, with this illness. And I can't remember exactly what it was, but this illness. 
Within a few months, my dad passed away just last year. And as she began to share with me, naturally she starts crying and and tearing up. And she said, you said tonight that God is good. You said tonight that God loves me. You said tonight that God has a plan and a purpose for my life. And she was quite emotional. And she said, where is God in the midst of that? And I tell you what, it was tough questions, but a very real and very raw questions, very important questions to ask. She said, where is God when my my dad was diagnosed? Where was God when my dad died? Like, how can he be good? Like, where is God in the midst of that? And it's an important question. And you see, we just read about a passage that the disciples go out onto the lake and the storms come crashing in on them. It talks about the wind and the waves start crashing in on them. And I don't know, but I reckon tonight that for every single one of us, we can relate to the circumstances in life where the wind and the waves of life start crashing in on us and we start to question, God, where are you in the midst of this? Where are you? The questions that this girl was asking were incredibly relevant questions. It's, it's, a, it's a wrestle for us. I think if we were to be honest here tonight, at some point or another, we've, we've questioned, God, where are you? We've questioned, God, are you really in this? We've questioned, God, do you really have a plan? Because your word says you have a plan and I've heard it from the pulpit many times. God, do you really love me? Because I've heard it that you do love me. But I'm just questioning at this moment because the storms are crashing in, the difficulties and the circumstances of life are crashing in and I'm really questioning, where are you, God, in the midst of this? And whether you're going through it, some of you here right now, some of you online, some may be listening via a podcast as you drive your car, whatever it might be. But as you hear this in this moment, some of you know what it's like to experience the waves and the, uh, and the wind crashing against the boat and question, God, where are you? If you're not experiencing it now, you've experienced it in the past. And if you haven't experienced it in the past, you'll experience it in the future. Because none of us are exempt from this. Every single one of us in this life will experience where the waves start crashing in and we don't know what to do. And the question that arises in our hearts is how do we make sense of life storms when our theology doesn't make sense with reality? Like how do we make sense of life storms when all of a sudden our parents break up? When all of a sudden we don't get the grey we thought we we would get? When all of a sudden that, that dream we always had comes crashing down? When all of a sudden that person that is dear to us passes away, how do we make sense of our theology? How do we make sense that God has a plan? How do we make sense that God is good? How do we make sense that God is loving? When the storms come crashing in and we say, where are you, God? Where are you, God? And the disciples find themselves in this very place. Disciples find themselves rowing out on the lake and the storm and the waves are crashing in. Now, let me just say this. Some of these disciples are experienced on the sea. It must have been a powerful and a huge storm. I mean, some of them are fishermen. They would have grown up out on the sea. And yet it talks in this passage that they were terrified. For some of you know exactly what it's like. You know what it's like to be in that place. So how do we make sense of it? Verse 16, it says, that evening Jesus' disciples went down to the shore to wait for him. But as darkness fell and Jesus still hadn't come back, they got into the boat and headed across the lake toward Capernaum. There's a thing often in Christian circles is that I heard somebody talking about this with me last week and they were saying, you know, they had kind of were 
in church for a little bit and they kind of walked away from church and there were some circumstances in life that they were struggling with and wrestling with. The waves, the storm was crashing in on their world. And as they were talking to another Christian, this Christian, I, I don't know, you know, this Christian just basically said to them, they said, well, well what, what's going on in your life? Like, are you, is there sin in your life? Like, is that why you're going through these storms? And there is a misconception, it's a bad theology that, you know, if we're walking closely with God and we're being obedient to Him, that we'll never experience storms in our life. And it's just simply not true that some of you have walked closely with God and some of you experienced some really difficult stuff and you think, God, why is this happening to me? And maybe you've thought at times that it shouldn't be happening to me because isn't God there to protect me and help me and surely bad things won't happen? But that's not the case. Throughout the Bible, we discover that even the, the most righteous, even the most holy, even the most people that walk so closely with God, they all experience difficult times. Throughout the Old Testament, throughout the New Testament, time and time again, we read about those. The apostles themselves went through many hardships and then the master himself, Jesus Christ, who actually lived the perfect life, was ridiculed, uh, criticised. He was hung on a cross and killed a criminal's death. There is nowhere in the Bible that it seems to indicate that people that are walking in, in obedience to God will not experience uh, trials, will not experience the storms of life. Every single one of us go through it. So how do we deal with it? And how do we respond to it? And what does it look like when we go through these storms of life? You remember the story and it's later on in John 9. They were talking to Jesus at this time and this passage, they came to Jesus and said, um, uh, Jesus, as it went along, he saw a man blind from birth. His, disciple, his disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned? This man or his parents that he was born blind? Neither this man nor his parents sinned, said Jesus, but this happened so that the work of God might be displayed in his life. Can you see how there's a tendency sometimes to go, I'm going through storms, I must be doing something wrong. Maybe I'm doing something wrong. But here's a powerful thing in this passage. I didn't see it initially, but it's so powerful. It was such an amazing revelation that we don't see it in John. It just says that they went down to the shore and that Jesus hadn't come. And so they hopped into the boat and then they rowed across the lake. Now there's two different accounts. There's, there's John's account, which we're looking at tonight, but Mark and Matthew both have an account. Now in Mark's account, we don't read it here, but in Mark's account, it says that Jesus made them get into the boat. It says that Jesus made them get into the boat. So to give you some context, Jesus had just been doing some ministry with the disciples earlier. They'd feed the multitude of people. And, and, and it was like Jesus said to them, okay, I want you to go down. I want you to get into the boat. And you can imagine, I mean, these are his disciples. They're probably thinking, yeah, but Jesus, like we, we wanna follow you. Like, come, with, are you getting in too with us? And he says, no, 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 you guys just go ahead. He's talking to them. And I don't know about you, but I probably would have said, no way. Like, I want you to come, like, come with us. We're following you. And Jesus says, no, 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 no. I'm gonna go away, I'm gonna spend time with my father. You guys just go out on your own. And maybe they kept going, in fact, no, Jesus, come with us. No, come with us. And it says, Jesus made them. Now, I don't know if it got a bit intense or what, but Jesus said, get in the boat and cross the lake. He made them get in the boat. Here's the powerful thing. They didn't get in the boat because of disobedience. They got in the boat because of obedience. And what happened when they got in the boat? They row out and it says three or four miles, they go out and they encounter a huge storm and they are terrified. They encountered the storm 
out of an act of obedience, not disobedience. You see, some of you are saying, why am I going through this? Maybe God doesn't love me. Maybe God's not with me. Maybe I'm walking outside of the plan that God has for my life. You know what? You actually may be right in the center of the will of God for your life and the storms are coming in. So we need to throw away this mentality or this theology that that when you're walking closely with God, you don't experience storms. It's simply not true. They experience the storm in their life out of an act of obedience to what Jesus had told them to do. You walk in obedience, you experience the storm sometimes in our lives. So how do we deal with that though? What does that look like? And it goes on in verse 18, that soon a gale swept down upon them. So out of obedience, they respond to Jesus and they go out onto the lake. Soon a gale swept down upon them and the sea grew very rough. They had rowed three or four miles when suddenly they saw Jesus walking on the water toward the boat and they were terrified. Now, sometimes we don't feel like it when we're in the midst of the boat and the waves are crashing in and we're going, where are you God in the midst of this? I'm suffering here. This is painful. This is, I I don't know. I I don't feel your presence in these circumstances. But what we discover in this passage and what we realise throughout the Bible actually is that there's, there's purpose in the pain. And I know it's so easy for me to just say that up here. And, and you know, when I don't understand your circumstance, it's so easy to go, oh, okay. And you, you've heard that before. And I understand that when you're in that, you think, I don't care about the purpose. I just wanna get out of here. I just wanna get out of this mess. I just want all this to be over. And some of you are in that place. But part of the way of overcoming and moving forward when we, we see the, the, the storm crashing in in our lives is knowing that there is a purpose in the storm that we're facing in our lives. There is a purpose in that. God has a purpose for you in the midst of your storm. Sometimes we don't get it though. Sometimes we don't understand it. It's hard to understand the purpose of God when we're in the midst of it. We, our finite, finite minds just can't understand the, the greatness and the complexity and the bigness of our God. We don't understand what the purpose is. Remember many years ago, I think I shared this story a while ago, but it was quite a long time. And so you probably forgot anyway, so no worries. But um, I was just an apprentice at the time and, and we were working, we were doing a renovation on this house at Stafford Heights actually. And, and you know, sometimes on a job site, it gets pretty messy and dirty and there's, you know, just building material around the side and all sorts of stuff. And I remember one morning there I was working and uh, in this particular room of the house, I can't remember exactly what I was doing, but as I was working away, this little gecko was kind of right where I was working. Now, you need to know this about me. I, I don't know what it is, but I love animals. Like I love animals, major RSPCA supporter right here. And, um, and I, I have this thing in me where I cannot, like if, if I know an animal's gonna get hurt or something, like I can't cope. Like I'm like, I gotta do something. I have to do something like, no way. Like, I just, I cannot let it get hurt. And I, I feel that about humans as well. I'll just uh, say, but, but I just, I just, I cannot let, you know, an innocent animal get hurt. And, and so I was working away. I mean, it was a gecko. No, I mean, that's not my attitude. No, I love animals, but, but, but there I was working away and there was this gecko that was kind of right there. And I thought to myself, oh, I better kind of let him outside, you know, let him run free. He was probably stoked he was inside. It probably took him ages to get in there. But anyway, and so I thought I better, you know, let him get outside. And so and so uh, I, I went to kind of get him off the wall. And as I was tempting to try and grab him, he kind of jumped off the wall, landed on the hardwood floor and started running across the hardwood floor. 
And so I thought, oh, okay. So I started kind of chasing him, but uh, <clears throat> being sort of mess on the side and stuff like that, there was, I noticed a bit further along on this floor, there was a piece of duct tape and it was rolled up like it was a duct tape that had been used for something and it was kind of rolled on itself and the sticky side was on the outside and it was sort of stuck to the hardwood floor. And as I'm chasing this little gecko across the floor, I notice, and you know how it kind of goes in slow-mo, you're thinking, oh no, oh no, 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 not, not there, not there, not there. And he's running straight towards this duct tape. And I'm thinking, no. And as I go to get him, he runs straight onto the duct tape and he's like stuck, you know, like dead stuck on this duct tape. Now, I mean, geckos, they're amazing how they stick to stuff, but, but he couldn't even get off this, you know, he was stuck. The duct tape had got him. And so I'm thinking, well, what am I gonna do? I need to free this poor little guy. And I could have easily just grabbed a whole bit of duct tape with him on it, flicked him out the window and you know, whatever. But I can't do that. Like this poor little thing, like I've got to help him. I've got to help him. And so I pick up the duct tape and he's on the duct tape. And I think I'll just, I'll get him off the duct tape really carefully and set him free. And so I go to, I grab his tail and, and I very delicately, very delicately, I start lifting his tail and he's like stretching his body and his tail stretching. And I'm thinking, oh, this isn't real good. Like he's really stuck. And so I try for a leg and I'm pulling his leg and I'm trying to get his little foot off this bit of duct tape to set. Meanwhile, I'm getting paid for this too. Um, and, so, <clears throat> and so I'm trying to get his foot off this duct, it's stuck. And so sometimes, so I get out my chisel and, uh, and I've got this chisel and very delicately, I don't wanna hurt him, very delicate. I'm trying to get, get him off this bit of duct tape. And in this moment, now I just, because all of you are going, oh, oh, I, I just wanna say this, I didn't cut him. I didn't, I, you know, I was being very delicate. And in this moment, as I'm trying to get him off, I had this thought, I wonder what he's thinking, you know? <laughs> Like, I wonder what he's thinking. Here I am, and he's like, he doesn't understand humans. He doesn't understand what I'm doing. He doesn't even understand where he is maybe, you know. He's just in there catching moths at night. And here I am, and I'm pulling at his legs. I'm pulling at his tail. I'm stretching his body. And I wonder if he's there going, what are you doing to me? He's screaming out saying, I'm in pain. I'm suffering. Why would you put me through this pain? And what he doesn't realise is this, out of love, out of compassion, I'm doing everything I can to set him free. And here's the thing, how many times, how many times have you said to God when the waves come crashing in, what are you doing God? Why are you putting me through pain? Why am I suffering? And God's response to you is this, I am trying to set you free. But you don't understand and I don't understand. Here I am out of love and compassion. Here is God out of love and compassion for you trying to set you free. We don't always understand the storms and we don't understand the pain and we don't understand why it's happening. But the truth is this, there is purpose in the pain. And there's purpose in the pain, there's purpose in the storms of your life, the very things that you are going through, there's purpose and you don't understand it and I don't understand it. And sometimes we just can't work it out, but it comes a point in our lives where we just gotta trust that out of love and compassion, God is doing something and there is a purpose in it. There's a purpose in the pain. 
What we discover as well is that the storms of life produce something in us. The storms of life produce something in us that we would never have seen or recognised or experienced without the storm, without having to go through the storm. Again, uh, when I was apprentice, I had a very, it was a difficult time, my apprenticeship. I found it very difficult and, you know, I've probably I've shared this a few times before, but but I, I just found it tough and it was, I, I became a, a Christian. Sorry, I wasn't a Christian, I was doing my apprenticeship and then I became a Christian and and my apprenticeship, I just felt like consisted of four years of just everyday ridicule and ridicule and put down and all this sort of stuff. It was a really difficult time. And every morning, every morning I got, every morning I'd wake up and I literally rolled onto my knees, out of bed onto my knees. And not because I'm super spiritual, not because I, you know, it's because I had to. I was going through the real difficult time and I just would fall on my knees and every morning I'd pray, God, help me through this. And you know, in that season, I would talk to people about it and people, you know, you know, people might say, oh, have you prayed about it? Are you kidding? Have I prayed about it? Every afternoon I'd drive home and say, I cannot do another day of this, God. I am not doing another day of this. Why do I have to do this? And on time and time again, when I drive home, I would hear this like gentle whisper of God say, I want you to stay in it. I want you to stay in it. I just want you to stay in this. And I prayed time and time again, I could do another apprenticeship somewhere, but he said, God, uh, God said to me, I want you to stay in this. And I didn't understand. I couldn't work it out at the time. And I remember one distinct uh, day that uh, we were working on a house um, at Gordon Park and I was there and a day was just so hard and I literally had had enough. I, I just said to God, I said, I'm done. I'm finished. I'm never coming back. I'm finished with this apprenticeship. I'm not doing this anymore. And I, I said to God, I said, if they say one more thing, I'm literally walking off this side, I'm never coming back. And sure enough, it wasn't too much later, they said something else that offended me or whatever. And I said, I'm done. I'm literally sick of this. I got down off the ladder and I just walked out of the, I didn't say anything to them. I just left. I just walked out of the uh, job site. I went to my car. I took my nail, bait, nail belt off. I put it in my toolbox. And then I remember putting my hand to the car door. I opened the car door and I was never going back. And I said to God in that moment, I said, God, you would have to do a miracle. You would have to do a miracle for me to go back in there. I'm done. And as I prayed that, I remember so clearly, so vivid in my mind, I had my hand on the car door and I prayed that. And as I went to open my car door, I, got a, I felt my phone vibrate in my pocket. I got a text message and I was like, I pulled it out. And it was a no, you know, well, the number wasn't saved. I didn't know it was from, so it was just a random number. And it didn't say anything. It didn't say, hey, David. It didn't say anything else. It just had one line, one line. God's growing you into his mighty warrior. That's it. To this day, I, have, I still have no idea who sent it, how it was sent, what happened. I literally was like, God, I'm not going through this anymore. I'm done. You would have to do a miracle. And I get a text that says, God's growing you into his mighty warrior. The point is this, and I don't know if God's, you know, the, the point is this, I, I just tell you that story. I just tell you that story because the reality is that in the storms of life, it produces something in us. God was doing something in me through that season of life. And I didn't, I, I didn't really care about it at the time. I just wanted out. I didn't wanna go through the storms any longer. But God was doing a work in me that, that as I reflect back now and as I stand outside of that and now, I realise God was doing a perseverance work in me, a character building time, a resilience in me. He was doing all these things in my life, a faith building thing, uh, teaching me how to pray. I mean, I just become a Christian, no church background. And I can honestly say, 
say to you that through those four years of storms coming into my life, I learned how to pray. My relationship and my intimacy with God for a brand new Christian skyrocketed. It was an extraordinary time. Why? Because God was producing something in me through those storms. And in the storms that you're experiencing, I know you you probably don't care at this time, but just know this, He's producing something in you. He's doing something in your life. He's teaching you something through the storms of the life that you're experiencing. He's doing something in you. And let me just say this, what you're going through is not meaningless. What you're going through is not meaningless. I don't know how to make sense of the storms of life without God. Because when we know the theology of God, when we know the heartaches and the, uh, and the, the circumstances of life, we understand that God, what He's doing, He's producing something in us and what we go through is not meaningless. What you're going through is not meaningless. And I say that to those online as well. Those that are listening, it's not meaningless. God is producing something in you. So a gale swept down upon them and the sea grew very rough. They'd rowed three or four miles when suddenly they saw Jesus walking on the water uh, toward the boat. They were terrified. And it goes on to say in verse 20, but he called out to them, don't be afraid. Why? I am here. When you read something like that, there's, I don't know about you, but there's something in me when you're going through the storms of life, you think, how can you say, don't be afraid? I am afraid, like I'm going through these circumstances. How can you say, don't be afraid? And I'm convinced the only way to truly understand those three words at the start is by understanding the three words that follow. Jesus says, don't be afraid. Why, how can he say that? How do we understand those words, don't be afraid? The way we understand them is by the following three words. I am here. When you go through the storms of life, you feel, you feel like you're alone. You feel lonely. And as I said before, I don't, know how to, I don't know how to navigate the storms of life without God. Part of it is because you just feel lonely. You feel like no one's gone through this. No one's, no one's experienced this. And Jesus says, you don't need to be afraid because I'm with you. You know, so often people think of religion and God as a God that is distant, that far up there in this beautiful, amazing heaven, he looks down upon us mere humans and he's just looking for the moments where we stuff up and do wrong and he, he wants to, you know, um, uh, you know, he wants to discipline us or whatever, you know, he wants, to, he wants to catch us out when we do something wrong and he's just this distant God up there. And what we discover in the Bible, anything couldn't be further from the truth. What we discover is that God is not a God that's distant. God is not a God that doesn't understand our pain, that God is a God that incarnated into this world. God is a God that comes into our suffering. God is a God that comes into the storms of our life. And when we think in those moments of our life, where are you, God? Like, like, do you understand? Can you see what I'm going through? We realise that He understands because He is right with us in the midst of it. Part of the way I think that I find encouragement in this is knowing that, hey, when I'm going through the storms, that Jesus is right there with me. He says to him, don't be afraid. Why? Because he says, I am here. Maybe you've sat or talked to people and 
Maybe you've felt, you know, overwhelmed. What can I say to this person as they share with you about these difficulties and these trials? I mean, I felt like that when that girl was sharing with me the circumstances that she was facing or she had faced with her father passing away. What do I say? What do I talk about? And I've heard other people say similar things like, hey, what can I say in these situations? I've felt like that before. I don't know about you, but sometimes if I'm facing challenges in my own life, sometimes it's not even the words that people say, but it's just knowing that they're there with me. Maybe you felt the same. It's not even about what someone says, but it's knowing that, hey, you're with me in this. It's being there for someone. And Jesus says, hey, you don't need to be afraid because I am here. The other thing that we discover in this passage is this, is that we see they experience a miracle as Jesus ceases the wind and the waves and he hops in the boat. And they experienced this miracle in verse 21. Then they were eager to let him in a boat and immediately they had arrived at their destination. That often they experienced the miracle. Why? Because they went through the storm. That's why. And more often than not in life, that the way that you'll experience the miracle in your own life is you have to endure the storm. You gotta go through the storm. We heard a testimony tonight of Steph's uh, journey and how God has outworked in and through her life. And I noticed that there were some difficult times as she shared. And sometimes we need to experience the test to have the testimony. Sometimes we need to go through the storm to experience the miracle take place. This is what the disciples experienced in the same way. And I just sensed this morning, I was actually standing right down here. And in worship this morning, as I was worshiping uh, God, I had this prompting in my heart of this thought just an encouragement to someone, particularly online, maybe watching tonight, an encouragement to you. And maybe if you're listening, maybe you are going through the storm and maybe it's been quite a while. Maybe it's, it's not just been days. It's not just been weeks. It's not just been months. Maybe for you, it's been years as you've endured the storm and you're wondering, God, where are you? What are you doing in the midst of this? What I found interesting in this passage is that we discover at the very start, it says it was... Um, as darkness fell, the disciples went down, they got on the shore and they went out on the boat. And it doesn't say it in this passage in John, but in Mark, it talks about uh, just before dawn, Jesus goes out in the water. Now, I don't know about you, but sometimes when I read the Bible, I just think it all just unravels and happens straight away. Oh, okay, Jesus sends them off, they get in the boat, they go out, they experience the storm and then Jesus kind of comes out and saves the day. But what we discover is that they left just before dark or around dark and Jesus comes out at dawn the next day. So they, they were battling the waves for hours upon hours. Now, I don't, about, I don't know about you, but after half an hour, I would have thought, I'm done. Like, let's stop fighting this. I'm over, I'm finished, I'm, I'm over this. And yet for hours upon hours upon hours, they must have thought, where is Jesus? And for some of you, that's your story. It's not just weeks, it's not just months, it's literally years and you're saying, where are you God in the midst of this? And I just sense to encourage you tonight that your miracle might just be on the horizon. Your miracle might just be coming on the water. The waves are crashing in, but your miracle is close. Yes, it may have been hours for them as they rode, but the miracle is on its way. I just sense that for some of you, if for some of you, for one of you, as you work through this, as you try and endure and, and, and work out and process what's going on in the midst of this, that there will, that, that, that times to go through the storm produces the miracle that we so desperately need. Then they were eager to let him in the boat and immediately they arrived at their destination. 
know, I've said it a few times now throughout the sermon, but I, I just, I don't know how to make sense of the storms in life without knowing that there's a God and that ultimately one day he's going to set everything right. The storm, that, sorry, they were eager to let him in the boat and immediately they arrived at their destination. We're not home yet. This, this helps me unbelievably. We're not home yet. If you're a Christian, you put your faith in God. The truth of the Bible, the truth is this, is that God one day is going to set everything right. All the pain, all the suffering, all the heartache that we endure and experience, all the storms that come crashing in our lives, that one day God will set it right again and there will never be pain or suffering or heartache again. This is extraordinary hope, extraordinary hope. It should be extraordinary hope for your life that one day is going to set everything right. Uh, right again. We're not at our destination yet. You haven't arrived yet. This is the hope that we hold on to. The hope that we hold on to that yes, he's in, he's with us in the storms. That yes, there's a purpose and there's a plan in the midst of my storms. That, that uh, yes, he's with me in the midst of that, but also that one day he's gonna set everything right and that one day I will live for him for all eternity with no more storms, no more heartache, no more pain, no more suffering. It's an incredible thought. One commentator says this, Jesus is the one who can calm the storms of our lives precisely because he is the one who liberates us from sin, death, and hell. Other times, however, storms rage with no end in sight. What then? Jesus says, it is I, do not be afraid. In other words, Jesus is still with us in the storm, reminding us what he's done, strengthening us for the trials we face and encouraging us not, uh, not to forget that our biggest problems have already been solved by the death and resurrection of Christ. Therefore, our storms by comparison are light and momentary troubles that are preparing us for eternal glory that far outweighs them all. This is the hope that you have. Yes, Jesus is with us in the storms of life. Yes, there's a purpose in it but one day he'll set everything right. It won't be always like that. There is a future glory that awaits those that put their faith and trust in Christ. I don't know. Maybe tonight if you're listening or maybe you're here, maybe you'd say, yeah, look, I haven't really put my faith and trust in God. And you know, you speak about trials tonight and I've never known what it's like to know that there was a God with me in it, to know that actually there's a purpose in it and there's a plan in it, to know that actually these are just, this is just momentary and that I'm, there's a future hope for me that I'm eventually going home and that one day this will be set everything right. As you sit here or you listen online, maybe you're thinking, I never knew that. And, and I, I don't know how you navigate life without God and without that future hope. I don't know. I don't know how you get through that. Maybe... Maybe that's part of the culture that we live in today. The culture just says, you know, uh, well, well, life's short, there's no future hope and there's no purpose in your pain and there's no God, so he's not with you in it, so just make the best of your life. And maybe that's the culture we live in and so, so we try and do that. And when times get tough, I mean, I don't know, maybe this is part of why we're, we're experiencing what we're experiencing in our culture. When times get tough, we just go, oh, I know what I need to do. I need to get out of this and just get a better life. 
when the, the, the waves and the storms come crashing in our marriages, we know, oh, I, I know what I need to do. I just need to get out of this marriage and, and find a better husband, find a better wife. Maybe when the kids are causing ruckus, there's storms with my kids. I mean, who, who cares? Whatever, let the kids do whatever they want. Maybe when, when our job isn't fulfilling what we thought it would be, we just go and the storms come crashing in. We just think, well, my life's short. There's nothing more this life. There's no purpose in it. And so I'll just get a new career. And, and again and again, we just go about life, just trying to find a better life, a better life. And maybe as you listen, or maybe as you hear, you think to yourself, I've tried it again and again. And I just, it's not fulfilling. It's not fulfilling. There's, no, there's nothing to this. And you're wondering, where where do I turn what I do in the storms of life? And for the first time you've discovered, like you're telling me there's a God who loves me. You're telling me He's in the storm with me. You're telling me like that there's purpose in all of this. You're telling me that there's actually a future hope. And as you sit here tonight, as you listen online, I just wanna say this, I just wanna urge you with all of my heart, if you're sitting there going, yeah, this isn't adding up, I can't do this. I wanna urge you from the bottom of my heart, would you just trust God then? Would you just give your life over to Him and just see what He could do? To know in your heart that there is a God that loves me, to know in your heart, this changes everything. If you did this, if you did this with your life, it would change everything. And I don't know how to urge you any better. I just, I just wish... I wish you would just surrender it because I believe it changes everything. So I'm gonna give you an opportunity to do that. It's not the prayer, it's not a particular prayer. It's your heart that says, God, I need that. Like I'm trying this world and it's, it's winding up short every time. I need, to, I need to try something else. I urge you, just trust God with your life tonight. Trust Him with your life tonight. So here's your opportunity. Let's pray together. In your heart and in your mind, you can just pray a simple prayer and repeat this after me. Dear God, dear God, I've tried to live this life without you, God. And I can't do it anymore. I wanna know what it's like to go through the storms with you, not without you. I wanna trust you with my life. I wanna surrender my life to you. And I want you to be Lord and Saviour of my life right now. Take control. Forgive me for my sin. Thank you for dying on the cross and rising again. Holy Spirit, come and fill my heart now. And may I know what it's like to live with you, not without you. Father, I thank you so much for those that responded. And I just sense in particular, maybe some online, maybe some here, maybe for some a recommitment. But I just thank you, Father, for the courage. And I thank you that you are raising up people, Father, that know what it's like to walk through the storm with you, not without you, great God. Thank you that you're with us. Thank you that your word promises that. Thank you that there's a purpose in it. Thank you that there's a future hope for us, that this isn't the end, but there's something more. 
And Father, I just continue to pray for those that respond, that You'd raise them up to be mighty kingdom warriors for Your kingdom, great God, I pray. And may we walk with You, great God, trusting Your Word, not in our feelings, trusting in Your Word and Your promises. So we worship You, we love You, and we pray all these things in Jesus' mighty Name. Amen. Amen. We're gonna stand together now. I'm gonna invite you to just jump up on your feet as we take this moment to worship our great God. And I just wanna say this before we worship, I was just chatting to someone this afternoon that has gone through many storms in their life. Their life is, they've experienced heaps of storms. You know, the one thing he said to me is he said, David, you know, one of the things I've learned is that in the, in the storms of life, we've just learned to worship God anyway, to worship Him and praise Him and to honour Him in the storms of life. Even when we don't feel like it, we just worship and praise our great God. And this is an opportunity for us to do that now, even in the midst of the storm, and some of you may be going through it, to stand and to worship Him and say, God, I don't know what's happening, but I trust there's a purpose in it and I'm gonna worship You anyway. I'm gonna give You praise anyway because I know that You're bigger than my circumstances and I just trust You. So let's do that now. Let's worship our great God together. Father, I just have a sense now to acknowledge Your presence with us, to know that You're right here with us now, no matter where we are, no matter what circumstance we're in, that You're with us. And also, we know that in our very moment of crisis, when You are right there, right there, ready to say, it is I, do not be afraid. There is another, an enemy who longs to bring doubt, who longs to say, that we cannot trust You, that You're not really there. We heard of that in Steph's testimony, the reality of that invisible war, but right now we wanna listen to You. We wanna be like the disciples who were willing to take You into the boat and to know that Your presence is there with us. And so we acknowledge that right now. By Your Spirit, we ask that You come now into our situation, whatever that be, for those who are in dire circumstances, who are questioning their very trust in You, we pray that right now, You would come through for them, show Yourself to be present, a God who is in there with us in the fire. Come church, let's actually sing again, reaffirming God's presence with us in the fire. Father, thank You now as we go out into our lives that You are present with us, ready to take us where You want. And so we surrender ourselves now. We know You are present, so be with us. We invite You into every area. We invite You into the boat of our lives. Thank You, Father, for Your Spirit. In Jesus' Name, Amen. What an incredible truth, Church, to know that He is with us always. And this is, this is something that we're gonna go out now into our normal everyday night lives. We're going to go have dinner together. We're gonna continue to encourage one another to remind ourselves that there is one who is with us, who will never leave nor forsake us. What an incredible truth. If, if you have a sense that you'd like to know more, maybe you're watching online, feel free to email through to us. If you'd like to grab a Bible pack tonight, come forward. We'd love to pray with you. If you feel like in, your, in, in a situation where even the enemy is, is robbing you of that joy of knowing God's presence, feel free to come forward. But we're gonna go now in the joy of knowing that He is with us. And so let's do that.
as we go into our normal lives in Jesus' name. Good. Thanks for joining with us for our service today. If you sense God speaking to you, we'd love to help you on the journey of faith. You can reach out to us by emailing hello at bridgman.org.au or if you have a prayer need, don't forget to email us at prayer at bridgman.org.au and we'd love to pray for you. Thanks so much for sharing with us today and we look forward to connecting with you again soon.